I'm Mary and I'm an alcoholic. All right. Are these, I'm reading from page 84. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. This thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistake as mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the Spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Well, good morning. My name is Marie, and I'm an alcoholic. It's a good little showing for this time of morning, 10 o'clock. Man, I never saw the sun shine before noon. And if there was a bird twerking, I was throwing shoes, you know? (laughs) Today, I love the birds, and I love the sunrise, and I just love life. Before I get started, I want to thank the tapers, and I think it's really important I say this. Because when I lived overseas and there was not a whole lot of meetings going on, I belonged to the Tape of the Month Club. And I would get those little cassette tapes and I would hear the, hear the legends like Sandy Beach, Mark Houston, Beth H. I would hear them. And I would visualize what they looked like. And I would visualize that and it would help me so much. So thank you, Bob. Thank you. I think we owe them that. Okay, so before I get started, Mary, thank you for reading that, and thanks to the committee for putting this together. It, does, it takes a lot to put something like this on together. It really does. So, we vigorously commence this way of life, do we? Are we? The only thing I vigorously ever did was beat eggs to scramble. That's all I ever did. I had no idea what vigorously commence this way of life meant. Like, Really? Really? You know, and so it says this thought brings us to step 10. You hear the promises all the time in the meetings. Sometimes I fall asleep through them, to be honest with you, and sometimes I really listen to them. I can't keep those promises if I'm not working at it. And what happens is, you know, I'm going along my road, and, you know, I did one through nine, you know, and life is going along, and, you know, step 10's there, but this really doesn't mean anything. I'm just supposed to make amends if I harm you. You know, know, that's easy. And I'll pray, and I don't even know what the heck meditate means. You know, but let's just start with step 10. And so I've got 17 years of sober at this time, and I'm walking down this road called Queens Road East, just coming home from work, and I started getting so angry. I don't know if you've gotten into Alcoholics Anonymous, and you go, is this all there is? Is this all there is? These meetings, these sponsees, oh my God. As one, you know, as one speaker says, she has them that blows her hair back. You know, and I have those. I'm in a really bad day, and the last thing I want to do is don't they know and pick that phone up. 
And so I'm walking down the road, and I'm really thinking about, okay, now I'm active in my group. I'm active with my sponsees, and I'm, I'm doing things for AA. And I'm walking down that road thinking, I'm going to kill you. See, because I, I don't believe in suicide. I believe in killing you. Then maybe I'll turn the gun on myself. But I would not, I, would, I was so angry. And it was a low-level kind of anger. It's that irritable. Just that, I don't know. I'm on Queen's Road East. No, I should be over here. No, 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 no. Maybe I should go over here. And I have this restlessness at 17 years, thinking, why am I here and what am I doing? This is boring, right? Boring. And so I did something that, that was just kind of odd for me. I called my sponsor. <laughs> she lived in the United States, and she lived in Las Vegas. And, you know, we had a Skype session that was supposed to be every other week. And, you know, life got busy. Doesn't she know? And life starts getting busy. And I'm now an untethered balloon, you know, that's how I look at it, is I'm just flying out without any tethers on me. And I'm not really praying, and I'm really not meditating. I'm really not doing this thing. I'm not really watching. I haven't vigorously commenced this way of life. If I'm not going forward, I'm going backwards in Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's a slow slide. And it's so slide, so side, and um, such a slow side, it's a subtle foe. Alcohol's a subtle foe. It's very slow and manipulative, and it knows exactly when to attack me. And as I'm walking down that road, and I am not liking you, and I'm not liking the way I'm feeling because I'm 17 years, and I shouldn't feel this way, and I shouldn't be having these thoughts, and what's wrong with me, what's wrong with you? I took a deep breath, and I went home, and I called my sponsor. And um, I finally admitted, you know, because you're 17 years, you shouldn't be feeling this way. You should have your act together. I shouldn't be calling my sponsor and telling her that I have these things going on in my head, that I'm angry, because when I was talking to her, everything was fine. It's good. And I would, I would complain about my husband. I would complain about the life. But I really didn't tell her and admit to her what was going on with me. Because, you see, I had to have this, this facade that it's good. Man, I'm a good sponsor. And look at me. I'm a great AA member. I make the coffee. I do all this stuff. But I wasn't feeling it that day. And so when I called her, she says to me, in her way, now if you can just imagine, her name was B, and she's got this really long cigarette on this thing, you know? I mean, I'm real visual, right? And she's on the Skype, and you just see this, <laughs> like this, right? And I knew it was coming. I don't know about you, but I know when my sponsor is about to sell something that just stings, but at the same t- it hurts, but it's nice. It's weird. And she says to me, how is your step 10, honey? I said, I, 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 I make amends. I, 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 I know when I'm wrong. And she goes, I, I would suggest that you sit down and you read step 10, and you practice that, and you get to know the words in the book. We vigorously commence this way of life, Marie. It just doesn't mean, we, what does that mean? It's a new way of life. It's a slow grow. It's a slow grow. You know, I don't stop fertilizing my rose bushes because I want them to grow and be beautiful. So God fertilizes me in a way that I don't like, man. I don't like it. You know, AFCOs are really hard for me. Another freaking growth opportunity, 
God gives those to me. And what I do with those opportunities is how I'm going to grow. So it says here our next function is to grow in understanding and effective. Effectiveness. Function is purpose. So this is my purpose in life. So I'm growing in this affection, affection. Am I effective? Am I in understanding? Absolutely not. When I've got a low-level anger and I just don't want to be around you and anything, I'm looking at my sponsees and I'm not giving them what I could. I'm not giving them what I could because I don't want to. I don't want, I'm doing the work because <sighs> I'm doing the work and the last thing I want to do is freaking relapse and, you know, then people start talking about me. You know, that's what, that's where my mind was, you know. It feels like I'm grabbing, i got this golden hook here in AA, you know. But what I found out about step 10 is do I want AA all, all of it? All of it. There's a speaker who says, she says it like this, you know, uh, door number one, I think it's Olis S. who says this. She says, three doors to Alcoholics Anonymous, like Bob Barker. You come up and get three doors. <laughs> door number one, you want sobriety. Number two, no, number one, you want abstinence. Number two, you want sobriety. Number three, do you want recovery? Which door are you going to open? And when Olis said that on the, on, the, on the tape that I heard not too long ago, I went, whoa, that's it. I want recovery. Because absence makes me angry. Sobriety is just a stopping point. I want to be able to grow. And so I am not effective and I'm not um, useful when I'm like that. You know? And then it says um, it's not an overnight matter. It's not an overnight matter for the rest of my life. It's not an overnight matter. And what happens to me is when I see that I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing, like I'm dishonest. I'm watching. I'm not watching outside here. I'm watching within here and I'm watching within here. Am I dishonest? Am I selfish? Am I afraid and resentful? Dishonesty is one of my number one things. I will lie before I will tell you the truth. And I will hide before I tell you the truth. And hiding is my big thing. I don't want you to know who I really am because don't you know? Because if you really knew who I was, I don't even like who I think I am. And what step 10 does is takes care of my thinking. Right here, between between these ears. I've got a mind that'll tell you you don't like me before that. It'll tell me a mind that, oh, my God, they're sitting out there judging me. you got a mind who says, who assumes, oh, my gosh. Have you ever assumed anything and then all of a sudden you go, oh, I'm so wrong. And I've done that, and I've had to go around and make amends to that as well. You know? And how do we watch? How do I watch? And how I, you know, again, I'm a real visual learner, and I just really like to visualize. And as I was walking... Again, I had to walk everywhere there. I, walked, I was walking to go to a meeting, and this huge red-shoulder hawk was up in the sky. And he, it felt like he was following me. And I thought, you know, that's what step 10 is. It's a watching and a walking step. It's not a writing step. I thought you had to write it out. It's a walking step. It's watching what I'm thinking, watching what I'm feeling when someone comes up to me and offends me. Or my husband says something like, uh, Marie, did you pick a? Oh, oh, Marie, I see you didn't pick up the turkey. When the turkey's in the in the refrigerator, and I take it personal, and I call him whatever it is because it, you know you don't even think about me. You didn't even open the refrigerator. What is wrong with you? You know, I take things so personally. Take it right here that you're personally talking about me. You know, no, but I'm not that important. And you know, that's kind of a humbling. 
a humbling thing. You know, I walk into a meeting and everyone's laughing, and I think they're laughing at me. Everyone's crying, I don't think that, but when they're laughing, I do. <laughs> you know? And so it says here, you know, uh, when these crop, we crop off, they give us four definite directions. How am I vigorously commencing this way of life? You know, we end at the promises and we say, this thought brings us to step ten. Oh, yeah, just a thought. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. Is it easy? No. But it's simple. You know, so as I'm walking through the day and I'm in Kroger and somebody in front of me has got 20 items in the 10 thing, thing, thing. And I have nowhere to go. I want to bump their heels in my cart and say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, real passive-aggressive stuff, don't you know, right? And so what I've learned to do is I watch that thought come through my head. I still want to smack her, okay? I just don't want to smack her. And I see that thought, and I go... I try to change my perception. Well, maybe she's in a hurry because her husband's homesick. Maybe she's in a hurry, so I make up something else. Even though it might feel phony and so against my, my being, it's really hard. And so then I go, and then I see she loves the bag behind. You know, she, she had a hurry. She had a little bag behind. And my first thought at one time would have been, screw her. Her fault for being in this line. But I didn't. I picked it up and I said, ma'am. And I ran over and gave it to her. Now, this kind of woman that I'm speaking about here, standing here today, I promise you, I didn't like her. I didn't like having to act like this. But I do it in its freedom. There's real freedom in seeing the ugly part of Marie. If I do not accept the worst parts of me, I will never accept the best of me. And what step 10 does, it has me admit. Watch. Watch my selfishness, my dishonesty, my selfishness, and my fear. And I go, whoa, who is that lady? And I don't go to, hey, Marie, you should know better. What's wrong with you? I go, thank you, God, for showing me this. And here's a kicker for me that was really the, this, the piece of step 10 that I miss. I discuss it with somebody immediately. I tell on myself. I just go call somebody. I call my sponsor. I call a sponsor's sister. I call a sponsor even. You know, and I talk and I say, just listen to me. This is what's happening. And we end up laughing. And we move on. And we resolutely turn our thoughts to others means thoughts. Oh, yeah, my sister's uh, husband is, is really very sick. I think I'll make some chicken soup for them today, and I'll get that out to them. We resolutely turn our thoughts to them. We don't have to do anything, and it doesn't mean you have to be alcoholics, you know. And it says here, you know, in the, one of the greatest promises of Step 10 that's never read, never read in meetings, we cease fighting everyone. We, f- we cease fighting anything or anyone. Dash, new thought, even alcohol. I am not wanting to fight with my husband anymore. 
Well, it's not every day, but you know, I don't see. You know, I get my mother voice on, you know. My sponsor calls it that, Marie, you got your mother voice on. I'm like, Beth, okay. You know, and I, and I hear that. You know, and it says, we cease fighting anything or anyone. I cease fighting politics, the news, religion, everything. In fact, I have a news ban in my house because I can't, I'm not... You know, I'm not normal. Isn't that what it says in our book? We're not like normal folk. And I can't afford low-level anger because it'll come out of me like a sieve. And I'll go out this way towards my kids. I'll go out this way to my sponsors. I'll go out this way to my job when I was working. I will. T- the greatest spiritual teacher is my dog. My dog knows and she's a puppy now, but I had other dogs. I had six dogs, and every one of them would know when I walked in that house if Mama had a good day or if Mama had a bad day. They would come up and say hello to me, but you knew. They knew. I have a puppy now, and she doesn't quite get it yet, the moods yet. <laughs> but she's going to learn quickly, you know. But today I learned to just, you know, I don't have opinions of others. That doesn't mean that I don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean I don't have an opinion. And I don't have advice, free advice. Man, I used to give free advice out like you wouldn't believe. I don't do that anymore, you know? And it says, for this time, sanity have returned. What is that telling me? I didn't have any sanity between steps one through nine because all I was doing, I was so spiritually constipated when I walked in here. And that's a recycled term in Alcoholics Anonymous. I think it was Johnny H. that said that. He was spiritually constipated. And I walked in here, and I had to do some x And that was through step two and nine, between two and nine. I'm cleared. My channel is clear. Right? If my channel is clear, how do I keep it clear? I keep it clear with doing the step ten on a daily basis. I walk. I walk these steps. You know, I walk it. I said, if tempted, we recoil like a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find this has happened automatically. You know what? That's the truth for me. It comes automatic today. It really does. I do not, when it comes to alcohol, I don't think about it, and I don't not, not think about it. I was telling Mary tonight, the, other night, the other night that, hey, you know, I was walking down... The liquor aisle, you know, trying to go to the, go get butter or something in the store. And I'm walking down. And I just turned around and I shot real close. And I went, oh, they got that in vodka now. And then I just kind of, I just went, oh, and I just walked. I didn't sit, sit and rom- romance it. I just kept on walking. And I didn't, didn't give myself a hard time for look. It was just a notice. And that's what I do with alcohol. My kids drink. They bring it home. I have it in the house. That's the way I can live. It doesn't mean you can live that way, but I can live that way. And they're very respectful of me. Very, very respectful of me. You know, we see that our new attitude is looking as given us without any thought or effort on our past. It just comes. That's what it's talking about. It just comes, and it? it? just comes. You know, when I vigorously commence this way of life, I start to see life as life is. Because the problem is I believe my own reality. <laughs> I believe... I believe what's in my head is to be true. 
thoughts are up here, they drop in, and then they come out here, and it's all real. Where it comes from, I have no idea. But I admit to myself that I'm there. I admit those things to myself. We feel as though we've, um, we're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding it. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. I feel that every day, safe and protected. You know, because I believe in this God that I picked up in step two, and I enhanced it through six and seven where he saw me as I really am in the character defects, right? Um, you know, and then um, I move on. This thing where it says, as long as we react, as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. How do I stay in fit spiritual condition? Well, that's easy, isn't it? Just pray more. Isn't that that what we do? Pray more. Let's talk to God more. Let's, you know. No, fit spiritual condition for me is, am I watching? Am I watching for selfish... Selfish, selfishness, resentful, am I afraid or fear? Am I, am I looking for that? Now, listen. I like to carry a pickaxe. And I'll pickaxe you and I'll pickaxe me. That's not what it's asking me to do. It's just only watching. Put a new set of glasses on and watch me. That's all it's asking me to do. You know, and I didn't, you know, I didn't understand the depth and the weight of step 10. I didn't understand it. Because it's so simple, you know, and you read it and you go, well, it's just making amends. But the depth and the change that has happened within me because I truly practice step 10 on a daily basis has changed my life. Ask my husband. Ask my kids. Ask my sponsees. Ask the people who love me the changes that I've made where I used to get fired up when the family would get together. Come on, we all know that, you know. The family gets together, and you've got one over here who's got something very different than you do, and you start arguing over nothing. And I used to say to my, my sponsor, I, you know, I'm so good with everybody but my family. They know my buttons. She goes, she said, Maria, it's not about that. It's about you changing, doing the opposite. I have a sister who's, who's really drinking is really hard, and it's really hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. I have another sister who's in this program over 30 years. That's really hard to watch. Even though she's in this program, it's really hard to watch, too. Because you see, I have an opinion of what they should be doing. <laughs> one's not, one's drinking too much. One's not, not going to meetings enough, you know. So I have to keep my mouth shut. That's the greatest gift I learned out of Step 10. Zip it, Marie. Zip it. Right? You know, and it says it's, it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. Well, when I first read this, I'm going, what the heck are laurels? Well, I found out the laurels, the Greek thing that they put, that they give, give the, the runners for the trophy, right? They, you don't want to sit on yesterday's accomplishments. You want to improve on them. You know, and what I did is I used to say, well, I, you know, I was nice to her yesterday. Maybe I don't need to be nice to her today. <laughs> You know, I, I went, I took her to, you know, I went and saw mom. Do I really need to go see her again? You know, it was, it was like, a, it was like I was always measuring stick. I walked around life with a measuring stick. You did three yards for me, I'll do three yards for you. 
you step on my toes, I will crush your toes. You know, I mean, that's how I lived my life like that. And here, I give because I give. I give because I give. If my sister, my, when, my, um, when my sister Jane, who is my Irish twin, she was only um, 11 months older than I am, um, just almost 11 months. I had just moved back to the United States to Las Vegas, and um, I get a phone call the day my moving truck comes in from her. And she said, Marie, I've just been... Um, I've just been diagnosed with um, stage four cancer, lyomyosarcoma. I went, oh wow! Now I just moved to the states. She lives alone, and um, she really had nobody to take her back and forth to chemo and stuff. And we really didn't really really have the resources at that time for me to go back and forth from Las Vegas to Clearwater, Florida, where she lived. But, you know, I prayed, and God does what God does. And I knew I had to be with my sister. So once a month, I would take her down there. Now, again, I've got a little girl who's starting school, moved back from the U.S. Husband who's getting acclimated in his, his, what he's doing. And I've got a box full of, of a house that needs to be unpacked. And dogs. And so I asked God, am I supposed to do this? You know, he didn't come climbing out of the clouds and say, hey, Marie, I used to do this. But it's a, it's a thing we learn in Alcoholics Anonymous is that selfless giving, you know, giving without any rewards. Because, see, I used to do a lot of work for the, for the church that I worked for. <laughs> give me the reward. You know, give me the reward. And the first time in my life... For the first time in my life, my sister, in the sadness of all of it, gave me a great gift of selfless love. And so once a month, I would go for one week. It took me two years to unpack the house and get sorted in Las Vegas. And I would go back and forth. And I had the great gift, the great gift, of being there when she died and took her last breath. Now, you're talking a woman who would have just no way, Jose, what I would have been there. I promise you that. But I was there. And it's through the actions of step 10 where I could watch my thinking, watch my actions. And then I'm able to ask God where I'm supposed to be. Does he answer me quick enough? No. But he always answers me. You know? And so... As I can, this spiritual day, it says every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. That's a heavy sentence. In all our activities, I'm to carry this vision? Well, I do. I was sitting in an airport, and um, I was overseas, and I was coming through Portugal. I was in Portugal, and I was leaving, and I was exhausted. And when I'm exhausted and I've got this down, I don't want you talking to me. Just don't. And I'm sitting at the airport, and this, young, this really elderly woman sat next to me. My shoulders slump. Oh, my God, she wants me to talk. I don't want to talk. And um, I decided, and I took a really deep breath because she says, Hi. I said, Hi. How are you? 
Where are you going? I don't ask these questions because I really don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. That's the real truth. But God shows me that it can be done. And that's where the freedom is. And so I was able to ask her, and she told me about her husband just dying. And I was able to listen to her with ears. That's the vision God wants in all my activity, is to be open to what's in front of me and what he would have me be and do. And that's what step 10 is asking me. I'm continuing to keep this channel clear. He doesn't say when, he doesn't say if they crop up. It's when they crop up. When they do. And back in the seventh step, we say that prayer, God, take all of me. All of me. Good and bad. And he also says, and I'm going to blub it up because I'm having a mind fart right now. It's, he says, um, and I'm going to go to the page. He says, um, I pray that you now remove from every single defect a character which stands in the way of your usefulness to you and my fellows. I don't know what character defects are going to be effective. Procrastination is like my worst. My, my worst. Just my worst. You know, and, I, and it, it, it's something that um, I have been released from in certain ways, in certain things. But I was late, very, very late getting on an airplane. And I'm running through the, um, running through the terminal, and I didn't make the plane. And they had a tire blowout in the, in the thing, on the, air, on the strip going out. And they had to bring people back in. And there was, some of them were injured because of the, the stop. You see, I don't know if that was God using that or not. I don't know. But I just hope that God's always watching me. How he watches me, I don't know. But he does. You know, and then I'll go back to page 84. It says, um, how can I best serve thee? Now, I can overserve. Where I go burn out. I can overserve. But God knows when I'm doing that, I don't pick and choose if I'm over-serving or not. Because you see, what God does is all of a sudden I might get sick. I got a really bad cold, and God will rest me. That's the way I look at it. You know, but if a girl calls me and they really want help, I'm there for them. If a woman asks me to sponsor her, I'm there for her. You know, but reach that hand out. Step 10 shows me the fear. I can't do this. Yes, I can. Dave and I have gone bankrupt twice. Totally, completely burnt to the ground, nothing. Now, the first time, I was just drinking, so who really cared, you know? But when I came in <laughs> in 2000, when, the, when 9-11 hit, it hit our business bad, really bad. And I had a short sell the home. I had people coming in and taking things out of the house. You know, the shame of it all. You're losing all this money. Then my dad gets real sick. Now, my dad and I have this relationship. Um, we have this relationship. 
That's all I'm going to say is we have this relationship. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm, we're now living in Las Vegas, completely lose everything, and we have nowhere to go, and we've got nine days to get out of the house, pack our stuff up. So I asked my brother-in-law, who lives in Las Vegas, and this is a long story, so hang in there. So I go, and I ask him, can you take these nine boxes and put them in your, um, I've got nine days, and I have nine boxes. I said, can you take these nine boxes and store them for me, and I'll come back and get it when we come back from Florida from taking care of Dad. Did I tell you about this relationship I had with my father? Okay, so we have this, so I have to, my brother-in-law takes, says, comes back and, He's got three-car garage. There's nothing in there but junk. Nothing. He could put nine boxes in it. He doesn't. So we had to ask somebody, a friend that my, so- my daughter was playing soccer with, if they would do it, and they were so happy to do it for us. Okay. I moved down to Florida, and um, we had to go live with my father. He's a World War II vet. He has dementia, and he's tough, and he's a military man. Oh, dog, you know, and I was one of his favorites, I'll say that much, and um, so I get down there, and I'm taking care of Dad, and I'm supposed to be practicing, you know, and I don't have, what am I, nine years sober, I'm not practicing step ten, I'm not, as I look backwards at things that I said to my father, you know, but the one thing about my father is I got to know who he was. And I sat on the bed with him, and he says, you know, Marie, whatever you're doing, he didn't quite understand us. And he would say, whatever you're doing, you just keep doing I'm really proud of you. He never said things like that to his children. And my mother never said she loved me, ever, ever. Those words never came out of my mother's mouth. And my mother didn't hug. My mother didn't touch. My mother was like this. And I thought I was the only one out of six kids that she didn't do that to. I thought there was something wrong with me. We're sitting around the funeral of my mother. And I go, God, it's so sad. My mother never told me she loved me. And all my brothers and sisters looked at me and goes, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one. But what Alcoholics Anonymous has done is showed me how my mother loves me by the things she did. Also... Now back to my dad, and as I'm sitting with him and he's dying, and um, it's a beautiful thing when someone is dying. It really is. As I'm sitting there watching this, this old man who is strapping man, and you know he's got the medals and all the, you know, the purple heart and all that stuff on the wall, and I realize what Alcoholics Anonymous has given me is to be able to accept people exactly the way they are and what they did to me and to forgive them. I was able to forgive my father for all the things he's done. I didn't need to wait for him. I was able to say it to him. I love my father today. I love him, and I know he's watching down on me. But if I wasn't in this program and even had a semblance of what, you know, at that point what Step 10 was about and the freedom that it gives me, you know, it says, how best can I serve thee? Thy will be done, not mine. I don't know some days. I just don't know. But I know that if I feel like I'm doing God's will, I must be doing God's will. 
right? I know what God's will is not, but I know, you know, some days I wonder. You know, and it says, um, these are thoughts which go with us constantly, constantly. I don't know about you, but nothing I do is constant. You know, I'm a great starter. Finisher, oh, you see the projects around the house, you know, I just don't finish them. But one thing I've learned about Step 10 since I was, so it was 10 years ago, I really started committing myself to Step 10, that I have found a freedom that is unbelievable of who I am. I'm gooey, I'm messy, I have thoughts, I have real thoughts, and sometimes they act out, but I'm okay. And if I hurt somebody, and that's what Step 10 saying, if I hurt, I'm able to make amends to them with some real, real. But Step 10 won't work if I haven't really thoroughly done Steps 1 through 9. And those promises they talk about in Step 9, you know, um, I'm not living in the bedevilment since 52. I have relationships today. They're not twisted. I have twisted thoughts, but I don't have twisted relationships, right? You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to know a new freedom. I really know this new freedom. I really do. Is it, it's, it's like a, um, this joy that I have is like a pilot light in a gas, like on a gas hot water heater. Once you turn the hot water on, it flares up. And that's what my joy is like. Sometimes it's really low, until, and then some days it really flies up. But I have this freedom and I have this happiness that shows, I hope. It shows. And I love it. And you know what? For the first time in my life, I'm able to look people in the eye. I don't have to look at your shoes. Oh, God, I knew what shoes you were wearing. You know, I looked at your shoes. I'm able to look you in the eye. I'm able to shake you in the hand. And I'm able to walk by a homeless person. And look them in the eye. I never could do that before. I'm able to look at people that I would never look before. You know? And that you have given me. Alcoholics Anonymous has given me. You know? And, I'm, I, I'm, and I'll just end this with um, vigorously commencing this way of life. For me, it felt phony at first. It really did. But when I start, when I start practicing it, and it's a practice... Step 10 is a practice of watching myself, not with a critical eye, but with an eye of just getting to know my thoughts and my reality, which is not really real. So I guess I'm going to end here, and then we're going to open it up for discussions and questions. But here's one. How are you vigorously commencing this way of life? And what does Step 10 look for you? And has it changed? Has it changed you? And are you really doing it? You know, have you admitted the faults? Have you admitted the, the resentments and the, you know, sometimes I go, yeah, I have a resentment. I'll get over it. No, I have to call my sponsor and say, hey, <laughs> this is what's going on. It's a three-minute conversation if it's three to five. But if I hold on to it for more than, what I think she says, 24 or 36 hours, then I have a resentment and I have to go to the columns. So I really thank you so much for allowing me to share. And... Um, now I open it up for discussion, and thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Mary, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, um, you know, I used to have this 
idea that step 10 was the one that's being done at the end of the day. Is that true or not? Or, you know what I'm saying? What I've learned in step 10 is because the 12 and 12 came out and they talked about inventories, right? Right, and um, different types of inventory in the step 11, right? In the step 11, the 12 and 12. But if you go by the big book, um, it's more of a, a walking step, a watching step. You watch. And watch is a very sacred word. It really, really is. It's a very sacred word. And what we watch is we don't watch out here. We watch within here, which is very hard for me to do is to go inward because I want to go outward. That's... That's what I hear in step 10, that it's a, it's a walking step. It's not a writing step. Anyone? Yes? Thanks, Marie. Huh? Dave, alcoholic. Hi, Dave. Hey, Dave. I read recently that the steps are a journey, they're not a stopping point. And uh, I'm an old Marine, but I constantly learn from other stuff. And grateful member of Alamon also. <clears throat> anyway, a friend of mine in Alamon, she's a double winner also, and she, one of the things she taught me when I'm taking somebody's inventory now, instead of doing that, I can turn it around. And this has helped me so much, it's unbelievable, because of the lifetime of judgment of other people. It's uh, praying, prayer and serenity for that person, and it goes away right now. Mm-hmm. I like that, Dave. Thank you. And there's someone up here? Hi, Mike. You had mentioned something about not trusting your thoughts, that that's, that is uh, false. And then also having trouble uh, hiding and uh, with the honesty. So how do I, when does it come around that I can trust my thoughts again? <laughs> Practice. We continue. We just continue. You know, I have thoughts, too. I mean, you know, I do. I have some thoughts, and I think it's a really good idea, and I keep it to myself, and I don't ask to talk to anybody about it. You know, I talk to my sponsor. I talk to trusted women in my tribe. You know, my thoughts, yeah, you know. know, I don't know whether I believe all of them or not, or not all of them are false. You know, I believe God gives us good thoughts, and... The way I've, for me, step 10 is just a practice, practice. We ask God to remove, then the one we really miss is we discuss with someone immediately. Now, trust me, it's not, you're not calling somebody every 20 minutes, but I will go ahead and put things down on a paper and talk to my sponsor about it, you know, and and just have some discernment is the only word that's coming through to me. You know, but sometimes I have to have experience of the thought to know that that either was a thought or it wasn't the thought, and it's through the experience is where I grow. There's going to be imperfections. I admitted that. I admit that I'm human and I can only go so far. Right? I I I admit that I make mistakes. I admit that I I admit that I'm resentful, selfish, dishonest, and fearful when they crop up. I have them. I don't like them. I shouldn't be like that. But those aren't my thoughts anymore. I thank God, and then I'm able to change, and it gives me another AFCO, an opportunity to grow. 
right, when the hurricane hit Fort Myers. The construction workers were like, don't they know my roof is leaking? You know, there's not enough construction workers. I had to take a deep breath. FEMA wasn't working fast enough. They worked beautifully. You know, I just, I get about me. It's always about me, either negative or positive. It gets tiring. It gets tiring. Just like drink, it's, it's another surrender. And so these thoughts we have, where's God in it? Sometimes I just don't know. But I know when he's not there. I absolutely know when he's not there. So I don't know if that helped or not. That's just my thoughts. Yeah. Hey, Richard. Like I said, you know, it's 17 years I hit that bad. Really, like, oh my God, really. And when I get like that, I accept the fact that I'm there. The most important thing is to accept where I am. If anything, that's what step 10 does. So when I get, get to that, what have I not been doing or what do I need to do? And it doesn't mean an action of, of what it, for me, is pick up a newcomer. For me, it's a sit and eat and eat with a woman who's really hurting. I don't have to be their sponsor. For me, it's, it's maybe I need to have a long conversation with my sponsor and tell her what's going on with me. Right? I never dismiss, for me, I never dismiss this is actually going on in me. I admit to it. And then from that admittance to that, I'm able to grow. So you admitted something. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. Yes. Hey, Peggy. November of 2004 and my sponsor had died and I had her for uh, like 12 years and I loved her and now I don't have my sponsor and I'm moving to Memphis, Tennessee now there's a whole new culture there for this alcoholic and so we moved to there and I heard about Germantown Noon from FedEx pilots that would come through and they would say hey this meeting's really good so I go to this meeting, and, um, you know, I really suffer with don't make me invisible. I don't know about you, but when I was a little girl, I was dismissed, and I was invisible. So I walked in this meeting, and nobody said hello to me. No one. They didn't have a greeter at the door. They had nothing. And um, they even asked, is there anyone here for the first meeting who's never been? And I raised my hand. I said, yeah, I just moved here. 
And after the meeting, nobody came up and talked to me. So I thought, okay, I'll play baseball with these guys. And so I went back to the next one, and of course, nobody said anything, and they didn't sell high. And I'm starting to feel, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? I'm invisible. And then I start getting mad at them. What's wrong with them? You know? And I said again, my name's Maria, an alcoholic, and no one is saying hello to me. And by the third meeting, the meeting was on unity. That was a chairperson's unity. And if you know anything about me, I'm a hothead. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. I got that from my father. And um, the meeting was on unity, and um, they called on me. They called on me. And I said, hi, my name is Maria, and I'm an alcoholic. You, I said, unity? You want me to talk about this group's unity? <laughs> just like that. I said, the group's unity? I said, um, I just moved here, and not one woman in this room has come up and said hello to me, and I've got this look like this. Right? <laughs> Nobody would approach me with a look like that. You know? And so I got real mad, and I said that. And so I called my temporary sponsor at that point because I hadn't found one yet and it was between it was before I got Beth H and um, uh, she said well did you say hello I said I did I did I told him I was new she says no did you say hello to the women and I said no because I'm afraid because all the women would gather in one place and you know this clicky mentality where there's a click over there, you know, and it ended up being the greatest home group I've ever had was Germantown Noon. I learned so much from it through the pain. And there also was this one guy, I'll call him W. He was the biggest pain. <laughs> and, he, and he was cantankerous and He's got 30-something years of sobriety. He's cantankerous. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, if that's what I'm going to look like at 37, shoot me. You know, and it's, and so I call my sponsor and tell her what's going on, and she says, I want you to sit next to him. I said, what? What? She goes, I just want you to sit next to him. Because, you see, I walk around this life with one little puzzle piece, and I'm going to I tell you what the puzzle looks like. So I sat next to him for the next, till I left Memphis, Tennessee, and I lived there for five years. And I would sit next to him, and I got to know him. And he's got a life. He's got a life. He lost his son, shot in Memphis. You know, things have happened to him. And I just got to know him. It's amazing what God will do with me when I just step aside, just get out of the way. And she had me sit next to him. It's tips, ten step in action right there, you know. So anyway, enough about me. Anyone else? I saw some hands go up somewhere. Oh, yeah. Hi, Steve. You know, cleaned up the past in the beginning. You know, as a as someone who is coming in new, and I bring them to the book at that part of that book. You know, they've got amends. They got their amends cards, and they got to make amends. So I tell them to start that. But if I get the dry bones people who haven't been working this step 10, cleaning up the past is, is, is cleaning up my, the behavior and the way I acted and the way I would treat people. Not only that, if I owed money, I would owe money. You know, there was um, 
and I cleaned up the past. In the past, if I went into, you know, and I was a, I was a religious education director, and I would go into someone else's classroom, and there'd be, like, pencils and rulers, and I had no problem taking them, you know. I stopped doing that, cleaning up the past. What I used to do in the past, I don't do today. Oh, it creeps up, and it'll show me. You know, I, I don't. So I really thanks. I really appreciate that because cleaning up the past is not just the amends I made while I was drinking, but as I'm coming, you know, I'm becoming a dip. I'm reborn. Isn't that what it says at the end of the third step before we go into the prayer? We are reborn. Now, I didn't like that word because I, 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 I looked at it. You know, I had a hard time with that word. But God has recreated me. I'm, I'm a new woman. I'm really not the woman who walked in this room. I'm really not the woman that I was even 10 years ago. I mean, I was a force to be reckoned with, and it was my fear and the hot-headedness. And I would keep you at arm's length from me. You touch me, I'll touch you back harder. You know, it was that kind of thing. That's the way I lived. It's how my father taught us. They do it to you, you do it to them harder. You know, and so I, I I was raised with that, even as shy as I was. You know, so I've changed. I think the word is softened, one of my sponsees that I've had since the very time. She's known me since the day, and she's known me since she's walked in, and she's got over 14 years of sobriety, and she said, you've really changed. I soften. I think what Alcoholics Anonymous does is softens us. And I didn't like soft. Because it was my identity. You see, it's that reality I think is real, and it's not real. So thank you. That's a great, that's a great, that's a great great thank you anyone else